Welcome guys to episode four of the This Is Nonsense podcast. I'm your host, Emma Zia. And I'm your host, John Templeton. And today we're diving into occultism, otherworldly beings, and understanding quantum reality with the amazing... <laughs> Gregoria, I cannot pronounce your surname. I think it's Chris Christellis. Critsotalis, but perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's close enough. So G is, is honestly just an incredible human being. Um, she's a very close friend of mine, but she is a marketing consultant and spiritual teacher and mindset coach. She's also a published author. We have her book here, God Is Me, which is a beautiful book. Um, she's also the founder of Divination Amulets and Spirit School, which I believe is launching very soon. Um, it's the first I've seen of its kind, but Spirit School is basically taking people through mediumship, tarot, crystal, sound healing, plant medicine, sex magic, and many, many more things. So it's very safe to say that G is very well-versed in spirituality and all things quantum and occultism. Now, from a personal level as well, um, G has just been an amazing support in my own life. And I remember a few months ago when we were at Carlo's birthday, I pulled you aside and just said how grateful I am for you because I've been through a few crazy supernatural experiences <laughs> in the last year. And, you know, I, I honestly feel like although my friends and family will listen, it's like no one can actually understand the level that I, I feel like you can. And you've just been there for me when I was in this supernatural crisis. It's happened a few times and you've just been there for a phone call and you've just been so supportive and you just completely get it. I feel like with you, there's nothing off limits you know so that's why I'm really excited about today's episode because I feel like we can go really deep into some really interesting topics we're gonna go deep today team so strap on <laughs> strap, strap in, <laughs> strap <laughs> in <laughs> maybe or strap on either way it's fine <laughs> <laughs> whatever you're into so welcome G to the podcast thank you so much for joining us today um and I really want to start by by asking you because from my understanding you come from quite a religious background um so I'd love for you to go into you know how you actually journeyed into more of the spiritual realm and into the quantum realm Amazing. Thank you guys for having me. I am so excited to be here. It's really nice to be in a space that I can be completely unfiltered. And Emma knows this, but I don't usually say yes to podcasts because of the filtering that usually takes place in podcasts. So this was an easy yes for me. So I am very excited to, you know, be completely raw in today's episode. And I assume that your audience will be very receptive to a lot of this. But if you're not, all I ask anyone listening to this is just be open. You don't have to agree. You don't have to be on board. Just be open in a very neutral kind of energy. And some things will stick and some things won't. And that's all that's required, right? And it's funny about the religion question. I actually get asked this all the time. Um, and it's maybe because it's a story I may have shared glimpses of, but not so much. So, you know, to offer some context, I have grown up Greek Orthodox. So for those who are aware, Greece is one of the only countries in which uh, the church and the state are still very much connected. Okay. There are very few countries in the world that don't have them separated and Greece is one of them. So essentially you're not Greek without being Orthodox and you're not Orthodox without being Greek. You know, like there are other forms of Orthodoxy, but it's very much a part of your entire upbringing. Culture is religion and religion is culture, okay? Having said that though, I feel that Orthodoxy is different to traditional 
um, Catholicism or Christianity, right? It takes on a different life form. Now, to be fair, Although religion is something that has always been around me, I have your typical very open kind of parents that never forced us to go to church or never forced us to go to Sunday school. I did. My grandma wanted me to go to Sunday school and I did. So I know quite a bit about religion, but I was never forced or indoctrinated to believe any specific thing. It was God is present, God exists, and what you do with that is up to you. That doesn't mean that I didn't engage in the rituals and practices, because as I said, being Greek means that you're also Orthodox. So Easter, you know, we fasted for 40 days and Jesus is very much so part of my house, even to this day, um, even in my own spiritual practice. But it wasn't until I started getting older where I wanted to explore God and what that meant for me. And because I live in such an open household, my mom is your typical woo-woo, fairy, hippie kind of energy. And my dad is more into the religion and the history and, you know, the depth, you know, he watches all the alien documentaries and that kind of stuff, but very much so devoted to his faith as well. And I was just like, okay, well, what does it mean to me? What kind of relationship do I want to have with God? What is God in the first place? Like, like, what is this thing? And it was more a journey of curiosity. I just was curious about why do we have 6.02 people, million, sorry, billion people in the world who believe in God in some form? Like that's a lot of people, 6 billion people, right? And to me, it's actually written on the back of my book, right? So to me, I was curious about that. How do we get so many people on board, right? On board with a belief system. And I think for me, I just wanted to explore that journey. And again, because in my household, you know, curiosity was celebrated, I was allowed to go on that journey. I do recognize that there are a lot of people who come from certain cultures and backgrounds, and especially religious backgrounds, who don't have that kind of freedom in the home, right? If anything, they're condemned to step outside of the box and question their own belief system. But I wanted to question mine. I wanted to question Christianity. I wanted to um, learn about Islam and Buddhism and all of these things to see if truth is universal or if it's more fluid, right? And it took me on an entire journey of discovery. I then stepped into coaching. I then stepped into spiritual coaching specifically and the spiritual journey. Once you open Pandora's box, you don't have a choice anymore. That's it. You're on the journey. Everyone knows this. And I know people refer to it as a spiritual awakening. I don't do that here. I call them spiritual unlockings because you are ever evolving. It's never just you open one door and that's it. There are many to unlock in you know, a series of lifetimes. So for me, it was just like, well, this was one door that I can't go back on now. And once you see what you see, you just continue on down that path. So if anything, if anyone's listening to this, who does come from a very religious background, the first step is just being open and just being willing to question your own beliefs. And isn't that interesting that that's being mirrored in the entire collective right now, just questioning what you believe in and where that belief comes from. And I think the first step really for a lot of us, the lesson exists in religion because most of the time you're born into religion, right? You don't choose the religion. You're born into a family. They tell you what you should believe. They tell you that this is truth. You haven't had a choice. And so to me, it was like, well, if I had been born into a Muslim family, I would be Muslim. If I'd been born into a Buddhist family, I would be Buddhist. So if that's the truth, then let me explore this. Acknowledging that my soul chose this specific journey, maybe because my parents were so fluid and open that allowed me to go on this exploratory journey. But, you know, that's basically the role religion played. And I think that 
religion has a very important role within spirituality, but it is not spirituality. And I think people get them confused and they use them interchangeably. Religion has beautiful metaphors, but people took it literally. Okay. And they take, you know, the meanings as literal and then they practice according to the literal translation when instead it was meant to be metaphorical and symbolic and i i love learning from the bible and i love learning from the quran and i love learning from all of these religious texts and religious teachers but in a very metaphorical way right not so much um rigid in the belief even jesus i talk about christ consciousness very often and the reason why i think christ has such a significant role in the world today is because christ was the easiest way for the masses to understand God. I'm not talking the spiritually enlightened. I'm not talking people who are ready on this journey. I'm talking the average person who isn't so open to most things, right? Christ was the easiest way to God. It was the easiest way for them to understand and interpret God, which is why I think Christ energy is so powerful in the world today. Um, so I often call in Christ consciousness, but, you know, I see it from a different lens. And that was because of my willingness to explore it from, you know, neutral perspective. So does that offer some insight? <laughs> Yes. It does. It's it's so cool that you said that because I think so many people like are probably about probably <laughs> probably about like 10 steps behind you, but they they know that religion is like, hey, this is the religious lane, but there are all these other lanes mm -hmm. and they're all kind of heading in the similar same direction, which is mm -hmm. the, the umbrella of it. Um, because you're further ahead. Have you found that across the board, all of the different lanes, they are heading in the same direction? It's all, I always say, you don't get wet by the word water, right? So whether you call it God, universe, angel, spirit, divinity, source, it actually doesn't matter. It's all leading you to one path. And the path is unity with God, right? Unity with source. That's, that's the path. And whichever course it takes you on, it really doesn't matter. But what's important to remember is that we are not linear in nature. We perceive linear timelines because we live in the 3D. We live in the ghetto of the universe, right? So we're in the ghetto and we perceive the 3D linear reality. But the truth is, is there's not one linear path. So although my trajectory was that, what I've noticed from being where I am is a lot of people take many different paths. So they're not so parallel, okay? Some have to go through some really intense trauma, all right, in order to awaken. Other people go through the religious route other people explore spirituality because they're born into a hippie family right so it's not so much linear but yeah i agree i it's the path of ascension and it does lead you in the same direction but that doesn't necessarily mean there is a destination that you need to reach in this lifetime that's important to know that the path is always you know um enlightenment and that can look many different ways and there is no goal post to hit in this lifetime it's just one of the lessons that your soul signed up for the soul plays a long game right it doesn't care about what missions you complete in this lifetime it will offer you eternity right so it's literally not in a hurry it's only the ego the human that's in a hurry that wants to rush the process so i instead just like to be more fluid and let myself flow and if i happen to learn five thousand lessons cool if i happen to learn one cool like there is no hurry but yeah you know to answer your question in a roundabout way you know they are all leading you home essentially Amazing. And so what is God to you? How would you explain that? 
What a question, right? And it's funny because, you know, this is this is the question because my book, you know, is obviously called God Is Me. So the way I reference God is God, universe, angel, source, infinite intelligence, um, whatever your truth is, okay? But for me, it is source. It is the source energy. It is the origin energy. So energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So it was the energy that was omnipresent. It always existed, okay? There was no birth or genesis. It was ever present. Um, and from that origin, that source, everything was created, but it's not so much a creation as much as it is an expansion of self, all right? It's the same way we grow from infancy to adulthood, right? It, you didn't, you know, you don't take off one suit and then put on a new suit. It's just ever flowing, ever organic, okay? And as you grow as to, into an adult, you learn things and you take things on. Think of source like that. You started as a seed, and you begin growing and you begin growing and you begin growing, okay? And what's interesting is when you even think of um, that metaphor of humans and how we are birthed into this world, we always exist as energy, all right? Whether it is through sperm and an egg, whether it exists, like, you know, they say that we exist in our grandma's womb when she's pregnant to our mother, right? So it's like, we always exist as energy. It's just, we change form. So to me, God is the origin. It's the origin of energy. It's not so much a man in the sky telling you what to do. Well, it's not at all. It's just um, the most powerful- The woman, isn't it? Source energy. <laughs> <laughs> we were what did I have this conversation like quite a lot um I was reading your book this morning and it said um oh yeah it said he right and mm -hmm. I because Emma's we do talk about it mm. we, we explore with the concept because my understanding is that a lot of people refer to God as a he and a lot of people refer to to the earth as a she mother earth mm -hmm. And what was interesting for me, and I think I've actually spoken to you about this before, G, is that I've always really struggled to come to terms with, with the word God. And mm -hmm. I couldn't even say the word God until last year or maybe even early this. No, I think it was last year, last end of last year. And my, my kind of process behind that was because a lot of people personify God as mm -hmm. a man in the sky. And mm -hmm. that's something that I really struggled to to associate with or subscribe to because that's just not my experience I always felt that each and every one of us are transmitters of that God consciousness energy and so it's not so much the term God I think it's the way that it's personified especially in organized religion and how people almost it kind of buys into this guru culture in a way of people actually praising something that's outside of themselves and putting something outside of themselves on a pedal stool and in doing so I feel like people neglect their own magic their own divinity and that's mm -hmm. kind of something that I've been exploring with and playing around with but now I think I just understand that you know people as you were saying at the beginning people have different interpretations of God and of religion and really it's all an access point into enlightenment and into the path of coming home to ourselves. so I don't have as much of a charge, I think, as I used to. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that you you brought that up. What's your what's your perspective on that and personifying God? So I remember we had this conversation. And it's interesting because in the book, that's one of the first things I mention why I call it a he, um, whereas I reference spirit as she, right? And really, to me, they're synonyms, God and spirit, same thing. Um, but to me, spirit is a she and God is a he. And it's because, and I explained right at the beginning, it's not because I personify God. It's because how else am I going to describe it? Am I going to use the word God 20,000 times in a sentence? So it's just easier to call it 
a he or she, and it's the embodiment of energy. I recognize God as all encompassing, which means the he, the she, the they's, they all exist within that um, energy of God, right? But it's just more easier in dialogue to reference it in that way. It's a symbolic energy. And I see God as the father energy, right? So if I were to refer to the sun, it would be he, masculine energy, whereas the moon is a she, right? Lunar energy. Um, it's not so much that I see God as human. It's I recognize that I'm interpreting God from the human psyche and the human lens. And that's why humans personify God, because us as humans, we have a natural programming to want to find similarities. It's why we see a man on the moon. It's why we see a face, because we are literally programmed to see ourselves in other things. It's also why when you um, hear a lot about people who have come face to face with aliens, they describe them in human-like terms. The truth is, is they probably don't look like us very much at all, okay? But every picture you've ever seen of an alien looks very similar to a human, okay? And it's because we are literally programmed to see ourselves in another. So it makes sense to me that through history, humans have personified God because it was the only way they that they could then relate to God, right? If God was something that they couldn't understand or couldn't explain, how am I meant to form a connection? How am I meant to understand this energy, okay? And we have evolved beyond then. And again, the people listening to this probably have more of an understanding of God like we do, right? In which God is just energy um, and ever evolving and ever shifting, but ever present. And it's not so much about the he or she energy. It's just, that's an easier way to use language, right? Because remember, language distorts energy. We dilute energy by using words. It's better understood when you just sit in the energy of it and feel it in the body, right? And so when I'm trying to explain, like if anyone's ever had a psychedelic experience, when you're trying to use words to explain what you experienced, you never hit the nail on the head. You can never use the right words. It's the same with God. It's like, I'm never using the right words. And I acknowledge that, but I'm going to try my best to make you understand. And, and that's why I think humans use kind of reference points or reference terminology that feels familiar. Mm. Sorry, go on. I was going to ask a question. Yeah, go for it. But you, you put angels in the same box as God and spirit. Mm -hmm. And from my um, understanding of like the dimensions of reality, we watch a lot of Gaia and, and I'm, I'm keen to hear your perspective. It's like that angels were like sixth dimension beings, but God is like ninth dimension. It is, it is like the, 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 the energy, the void that creates everything. Are these beings angels? Are they, are they like a step down from old Mr. God or are they like, are they it as well? Where, how does this all fit together? Okay. So I, the way I perceive everything and the reason why I say God, angels, universe, whatever your truth is, yeah, is because some people aren't at the place in which they understand or differentiate between God and dimensions and densities. Okay. So for them, their highest truth are angels. Okay. And that's why it's all inclusive because who am mm -hmm. I to condemn your interpretation of God, right? Like if, because again, my interpretation is one perception of truth. I may be wrong and I'm open to that. So that's why it's included. I, angels specifically, I've actually done a lot of work on angels. Angels are assigned to earth specifically. So they exist for humans, okay? They work in the earthly realm. They are higher dimensional beings, um, but they work specifically with 
humans, okay? So they are assigned to energy vortexes like Earth to offer protection, to offer service, to amplify light and energy, okay? And, uh, and there's also dark angels too, so to amplify energy in general, whether your intention is of lightness or darkness, right? Um, so they are not God in the way I understand God, but they are definitely of God, the same way that I am of God, so therefore I embody and encompass his divinity, right? So that's what I mean by that. When it comes to God, I don't see God as a ninth dimension because there are infinite dimensions. And I think that it's important to know because the moment we claim that there is a ninth dimension, we deny infinity and eternity, right? Because therefore it's not ever expanding if we only go up to the ninth dimension, right? So to me, it's infinite. I see it as an ombre. It is ever expanding. So this is the easiest way to understand it. So imagine the origin, the source, right? That origin asked us, have you ever watched um, Matthias? Yeah. Amazing, right? Amazing. Now I'm going to use his um, reference point, but add a little bit of a spin. So essentially the origin asked itself the question, who could I be? And so it decided to expand into infinite expressions to know who it could be. But this is how I interpret. The first expansion or breath, if you will, was to first density. So it became the elements, all right? Earth, fire, air, water, and consciousness, right? Awareness. And that was first density. It then said, this is who I could be. It breathed back into itself, okay, back into the origin. It then decided who else could I be. It breathed back out into second density. This is how I imagine the formation, okay? And then, you know, it became second density, the plants and the animals and the insects and all that. It breathed back into itself. It then said, who could I be? It breathed out again, expanding into third density, breathed back in and so on infinitely. Now, we don't know if we're on the inhalation or exhalation. Now, this is just one tier. So we exist in what's known as the pattern reality. So this is the reality in which there are cycles, there are patterns, there are planets, there are, you know, things that we can interpret and understand in regards to patterns, okay? But that is literally one... Um, petal of a flower. There are many other petals that humans actually cannot comprehend. I think that there's a chaos reality. I think that there are many others that our brains actually cannot conceptualize. That is beyond the universe, beyond what we imagine as the um, galaxy. Okay. It's far beyond that. We cannot even understand what it would look or feel like because it's not part of our human psyche. No one's ever planted the seed and it's so far away that even through, um, receiving downloads or meditation or trance-like states, it's almost impossible for our brain to be able to understand, okay? So we're only breathing one tiny expression, one branch that started off from the original exhalation into first density because that first density was universal. We're in the pattern reality petal, okay? But there were many other petals that breathed out first density. We just don't understand what that looks like, okay? And through that genesis of expansion and expression, angels were born, uh, mystical beings were born, all of these different expressions of God were born, okay? And really, it's up to the imagination. Whatever your imagination can conceive, it became real um, as frequency. So, you know, I know that this is going super deep, but just to understand. Now, it's also important to know that a lot of people, especially the spiritual community, will claim that their goal is ascension, okay? And they want to enlighten to high states of consciousness. And you'll see a lot lately people saying, I exist in the 5D. And I'm just like, shut the fuck up. We live in the ghetto. We're in the 3D, right? And like, I know that you want to be in the 5D and that's great, but actually we live in all dimensions at all times, okay? And we can access all parts of ourselves in all dimensions. But here's the thing, the higher up you evolve, 
through the dimensions, yes, the more you understand yourself, the way I, I mentioned the breath in, breath out, the more you understand yourself, but also the more distorted your interpretation of God becomes because you actually go further and further away from source. If you want to know who God is, go to first density. Look at the way the trees are abundant. They grow. They go through cycles. They shed. Look at the way the waterfalls have force and energy. They never worry about where their water is going to come from. Go to nature to find out who God actually is. You're much more likely to mirror God through first density than you are through third density. Why do you think animals are far more instinctual than we are as humans? In order for us to understand ourselves more, we needed to forget our instincts, to have a consciousness in order to be critical. We, we needed the logical mind, okay, to be able to evolve in new ways, to think new concepts, all right, for expansion. But we lost something in that transition, right? The law of one book's amazing for this, to understand that, that process. But essentially, like, you know, you always learn more about God from the density before you, okay? It's the same reason why higher densities, you know, want to come and communicate with us because we actually teach them things that, you know, for them, they may have diluted through their evolution. So, you know, that was a whole train of thought, but, you know, <laughs> to be said... <laughs> Was so beautiful keep it coming <laughs> i do just want to slip in a quick question here that we spoke about recently is it definitely recording babe 100 percent. okay because the little box isn't showing up as normal what little box little oh box. no i didn't use oh. that software today we're just going to use these so... two because it's resume yeah gotcha sorry i just thought i'd check because i don't want to miss <laughs> the magic that is happening um yeah we were talking the other day so we've got two dogs and they just telepathically pick up like when we're even when we're thinking like when I think about going for a walk they start to get excited and they start to get really wiggly and everything like this and we were talking about how amazing it is that dogs seem to be so telepathic yet like are they operating in a lower density consciousness than humans and I wanted to ask you this and your perspective on this um because I just think you'd be the perfect person to kind of explore so how do we understand that Okay, so yes, you're actually right. They are operating from a lower density consciousness, but they have their intuition is heightened because they that was their second density energy. Okay, so for them, it was only about physical matter and intuition, whereas we also needed the analytical mind. So because of the presence of the analytical mind, our intuition was diluted. Okay, whereas animals solely operate from that perspective. Now, animals don't plan the future. The perfect example of this is like, think of a deer being chased by a lion. Okay, so that deer is running for its life. Okay, like literally running through the, the, the forest, running for its life. And its only focus in that moment is survival. I'm running for my life until I get away from this lion. The moment it feels safe, what does the deer do? It goes back to grazing. It doesn't think to itself, oh my God, I've got to tell all my friends that I was chased by a lion today. It doesn't think, oh my God, I've got to plan for the future. I better hide from the lion. It doesn't think like that. It literally goes back to its instinctual response. Whereas us as humans, if I had some mofo chasing me on the freeway, I'm going to get home and be like, oh my God, mom, you won't believe what happened to me today, right? You won't believe that I've been chased and I will start creating scenarios in my mind. What if they had caught up to me? What were they trying to do to me? Oh my God, I need to protect myself. I need to lock my doors moving forward. That's the cost of being at a higher state of consciousness, okay? That we have too much space now to create a story in our mind and conceptualize, which animals don't do. So animal, animals operate on their instincts, right? And they're very telepathic and very in, intuitive, but that is their heightened state of being, okay? They don't have the same ability to then, you know, plan for the future. It's why we have no risk 
of animals taking over us, right? Because they aren't third density, right? They're second density. And yet we can learn a lot from animals because they, they know when you're sad and they know when you're happy and they can feel into that because for them, it's actually a lot stronger because it becomes more natural to them than it is for humans. We had to relearn intuition, right? Because, you know, we've had all of these distortions that's disconnected us from our natural ability to be intuitive, right? With all of this like literally nonsense the name of your podcast right like all of this nonsense <laughs> and noise that's affected our ability to connect so we've had to you know our process of enlightenment and um ascension has been to rid ourselves of all of the distractions whereas for animals you know they say that an animal what an animal dreams because when i had my dog before he transitioned i was very curious about to what he dreams about and there are lots of studies that suggest that animals dream about you their owners because that's you are their whole life that's all they think about right they think about food and you that's their entire life so most of their dreams are about you and it made me cry and cry and cry because it's true say, like, yeah, it's, like it that is so emotional but it is, it is we are their entire life and it's also you know we learn a lot from them whereas our dreams are a lot more complex because we have a lot more going through our psyche and our minds at all times so yeah if that answers that question Absolutely. And I want to ask here, actually, I'm seeing a lot in this space, whether it's social media or online or whatever, there's this huge kind of burst of like intuition. I feel like everyone wants to tap into their intuition. There's loads of courses at the moment of how to actually tune into it and, and activate it and whatever. What kind of advice or tips could you give the audience who are looking to become more intuitive? Okay. That's a good question. And obviously it's so dynamic. We could talk about intuition alone for hours and hours. I have plenty of masterclasses on intuition too, but to put it simply is we're all intuitive. We're born with the ability. We all have, you know, um, a natural ability like the second density to just connect, right? Spirit, God, universe is always offering us wisdom constantly. It's never shut off. Okay. It's that we have so much noise that we can't hear. Okay. Or some people have silenced the noise. They practice meditation. They really try to connect, but they can't interpret the language. It's like you trying to watch a French film right now. If you've never done French before, it's going to be a bit difficult to interpret the French film. If you've done a little bit of French, you may be able to piece a few things together. If you've done a number of classes on French, maybe a bit more. If you've also got some subtitles, a whole lot more, etc. right? So it's about two things. It's about silencing the noise. You have to make space to connect. God wants to communicate with you at all times and is communicating with you at all times. It's You're never denied. You ask a question, the response is offered immediately, real time, no delay, okay? It's, if you don't create the space to receive that wisdom, and when I say space, I mean literally silencing the external noise, okay? And that may be meditation, that may be trance-like state, that may be ecstatic dance, that may be anything that stops the monkey mind, the active conscious mind, which is the frontal cortex, right? You need to literally get yourself into a theta brainwave state. There are many ways to do that, but essentially you need to silence the active mind or give it an activity. I do a lot, I have a lot of clients that can't just switch off. So I do what's known as an active meditation. So you focus on a duck for an hour. And because your monkey mind has an activity to do, it allows it to go into other states of awareness right or you could just vacuum for an hour and again that becomes like an active meditation um so you have to create the space but once you've created the space it does require practice i have this thing that i explain that what leads to mastery mastery requires two things it requires intention plus attention now our ancestors had a lot of attention they offered a lot of time devoted to their practice they would practice one spell for their entire lifetime until they perfected it and they would bring it down through generation and generation 
generation and generation. If you've ever done any Aboriginal studies, you know, that's why we have dream time and we understand so many sacred rituals um, from the Indigenous peoples because they offered a lot of attention. Modern day people, we have a lot of intentions. I want this, I want that, I want to master this, I want to do this, I want to do that. We offer no space. A lot of people say to me, yeah, I meditated today. Okay, talk to me about that meditation. You put it into your schedule. You're like, oh, it's time to meditate today. Oh, I've got 20 minutes on the clock. Let me put on this soundtrack. Oh, let me go Zen and let me meditate. That ain't meditating, baby, right? Like that's the beginning. That's the preliminary stages. But, you know, mastery requires deep reverence for the practice right it requires a sacredness it requires a commitment and we need to marry those two things we need intention plus attention we need to offer space okay so once we've created the space we then need to be committed and devoted to the practice itself if I'm, again, watching that French film the first time, I'm not going to understand a thing, but it's not time to give up then. It's what's required of me. I need to learn the language. Okay, so I need to understand how God is trying to communicate with me, and it will be personal. The way God communicates with me is very different to how God communicates with every other person on the planet, right? I have taken the time over many years to learn how God specifically communicates with me. I have some friends, you know, your Claire's, some who listen, who hear things others who see things, others who feel things, others who know things, others who smell things, others it's more of a conversation, others it's more of a different voice. I have a lot of people message me say, you are the, the voice of my higher self. They literally hear my voice as their higher self, probably because a lot of their spiritual wisdom comes from me, okay? And so that's how they've created that connection, okay, with God. But you need to translate, you need to learn the language. So it's two things. It's one, offering space, and it's two, then trying to interpret the language and not to be in a hurry you're not going to get there overnight I don't care if your mate's mate's mate is you know where you perceive to be further along on their journey that's their journey let them be there right be on your journey be on your path no one is holier than thou I hate when I'll get messages all the time and people will say to me oh my god gee talking to you is like talking to god and I'm like don't do that don't do that. Don't put me on some unrealistic pedestal that makes you feel inferior to me. And also don't put that pressure on me. Don't do that, right? You are just as connected to God. I may just offer more space and commitment and devotion to God. And that's why it seems like I have a stronger connection, but it's not true, right? We all have that connection and that ability, but most people are just super distracted. They don't give space. They don't. And your five minute meditation a day ain't going to cut it, baby. It's really not. I talk to God all day, every day, right? That's why now I use this concept called the God switch. I don't have to get into a deep meditation anymore. I did for a very long time, but now I literally, I'm just like, it's time to connect now and I connect, okay? Similar to like Abraham Hicks who can channel instantly, right? But that took a long time. You know, it took them meditating for hours and hours and hours if you know anything about, you know, the history of Abraham um, at the beginning before they started receiving that instant connection, okay? Well, now she can literally just close her eyes, take a breath and it's, it's switched on. But it does take time and practice and a willingness to commit. There'll be there'll be people, religious people listening now going, this is crazy. Nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> this is nonsense. That's why we called it that. <laughs> uh, which I love. Can I ask a question? Me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's related to you. That's why I was looking at you. Um, because I know that you've said before that sometimes you've struggled to to decipher between the voice of your ego and your essential self and to know what is your intuition and what is your true self and when is it your ego interjecting um 
And I just wanted to kind of ask your perspective on that, G, because I think a lot of people I've noticed have that, um, that issue where they feel like they meditate, but they don't necessarily know if it is their essential self speaking to them or God speaking to them or if it's their ego. And I think if you have to question it, it's probably your ego. Mm. that would be my guess because when you know you know mm. what do you think g what's your okay. what's your thoughts so let's i love this because i get this all the time too right let's unpack this let me ask you a question what will your next thought be we don't know okay <laughs> and so whenever someone presents something to me and says is this the ego is this my intuition right i ask them to justify it explain to me what led to that thought okay if you can justify it if you can give me a train of events that led to that if you can give me some kind of belief system if you can give me whatever it's your ego baby it's not real it's coming from the analytical logical mind if you can't explain it if it's literally dropped down out of thin air and you're just like i don't even understand this shit most of the time you're not even on board with it right that's coming from a high perspective a higher place okay the other thing is what feeling does it evoke? If it if it feels stressful in the body, uh-uh, right? If it feels scary, okay, keep going, right? Explore it a little. Um, but most of the time, the intuition is something unexplainable. It literally came from no chain of thoughts, okay? The ego only operates on the snowball effect, okay? It will literally try, it will have a planted thought as a seed and it will find evidence to support it. Okay, so most of the time when someone offers me something and if I can backtrack you to the original thought, then it's of the ego, right? The ego has manifested that thought. Um, it's the easiest way to be self-reflective when it comes to the thought process. And again, this takes practice. At the beginning, you're not going to know, is this my imagination? Is this the ego? Is this my intuition? Is this whatever? And the easiest conversation to have with self is, all right, let's try to explain it. Let's try to justify this. Where would this have come from? Okay, and what, what gets difficult is sometimes your intuition is actually in a alignment with a few conscious thoughts okay but again it will come out of nowhere like this morning I woke up this morning and I literally just had a voice in my head that said post this thing and I was like Ugh, that's weird like why would I? and I'll, I will tell you what it is it's like the, the weirdest thing so it's this thought that if a man doesn't walk you to your car he's not your future husband like that's a golden rule of mine like if ever I've been on a date if the man doesn't walk me to my car at the end of the day it's an absolute no from me I don't care if I visited his house I don't care if we've been on a date it's a huge no right but it's not something that I feel called to share I'm not a relationship coach it's like I don't need to post that right but today's spirit I was literally like I couldn't drop it and it wasn't my ego because I didn't want to do it I didn't want to post it right so my ego was actually rejecting it it was saying yeah you believe it you don't need to prove yourself you don't need to try and act like you know something that wasn't it all right um so I couldn't even justify why I was being called to do it so I was like okay that's spirit that spirit's telling me that someone that watches my stories it needs to hear this it was for someone okay and it had to come through me and because I listened to my intuition that's the other thing about intuition God will try to communicate to a lot of people simultaneously until someone listens and follows through it's the same reason where have you ever had an inventive idea you've never acted on it you'd be like oh my god that would be an amazing invention two months later it's everywhere on the market because that's how God works. If God wants to expand in a certain way, he plants the seed in many minds and whoever follows through with the intuitive action will allow it to be birthed into physical matter, okay? But it's all vibration and frequency. And because we're all connected to the collective consciousness, no one is denied access to it, right? That's why I claim that no thought is an original thought. So people that get so caught up on, but this is my content, you know, I've trademarked this. Have you though? Have you though? Because chances are other people have thought of it too, right? Like I can guarantee you that nothing that you've 
you've thought of has only come through you. It's probably come through lots of people. That's not the same as copying verbatim the way other people express it it's not the same thing right you can't just steal someone's work but claiming that something was your original thought chances are it's not mm -hmm. yeah absolutely love 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 that so i want to move on to otherworldly beings which i'm so excited do, about. Do, 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 do. so <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start off talking about actually we'll start off talking about um the occult forces that are at play with the current world events. So maybe start by explaining for listeners that might not know what is occultism, what are occult forces, and how is this playing into what we're seeing in our 3D physical reality? Okay, essentially, to put it simply, occultism um, is just working with mystical supernatural powers. That's all it is. Now, occultism itself is neutral, meaning that we have light workers and we have dark workers. Now, all the laws of the universe, whether it be specifically occultism or any other law of the universe, doesn't care which side of the fence you're on, all right? It does not deny dark workers access to it. It's universal. Same way with like gravity. Gravity doesn't say you're a bad person. You can't, you know, use gravity. It doesn't work that way. Here's the difference though. I feel that dark workers are just more devoted to their practice. They're willing to sacrifice a lamb and kill a baby and put blood all over their bodies and literally have shrines dedicated to their intentions. Us light workers, we're more airy fairy. We're just like, I pray for the world to be beautiful and light. And we're not as committed and devoted to our practice. Whereas the dark workers, they literally congregate, they create circles, they create covens essentially that are dedicated to their intentions. And then they're born into those covens. If you look at the Freemasons and you look at Illuminati and you look at the Knights Templar, you know, you're born into that, literally that circle, okay? These secret societies, if you will. And they're just more devoted to the practice. That doesn't mean they have access to more power occultism can be used for light as well, right? I practice occultism all the time. I love the magical world, okay? But I am devoted to the light. I would never deny anyone their free will. I would never force anyone to do anything. I never wish harm upon anyone. Like for me, it's always for the highest good of everyone involved and no and harm to no one, okay? But, you know, the difference is, is light workers have, they honor moral laws, whereas dark workers don't. They don't honor moral laws. They're willing to pay the sacrifice. Now, what you'll notice a lot of celebrities and powers that be have had a lot of close loved ones die, okay, or murdered or killed or whatever, especially young. And that's the sacrifice, right? Um, dark workers that practice occultism essentially need to sacrifice all magic requires a sacrifice even light workers but a lot of the exchange or offering required of light workers is more an exchange of energy so i will offer this space i will be energetically depleted for a little while i'll replenish or i'll offer you nature like i'll give you money or food or you know through prayer and ritual or sacredness or ownership or whatever right or i'll light a candle for you i will offer it through my prayer and my focus okay whereas dark workers there's more of a cost because it's not the natural energy, right? Earth, although neutral, is more inclined to be positively oriented. Like Abraham Hicks uses the metaphor of a cup. So think of a glass filled with water and there's a cork in it. You push the cork down. That is the resistance. That is the pressure. That is the work. That's what dark workers have to do. They must put a lot more force on their work. You move your finger off the cork, what happens to the cork? And naturally bounces up. That's our natural state of being, right? We're naturally in flow. We're naturally in alignment. We're born in alignment. And so 
that's why when people say so much is going on in the world right now, there's so many dark forces at play. I say, don't worry. It doesn't actually require the same amount or volume of people to be dedicated to the light. It requires a very small group of people because we're already amplified by a thousand, right? So me praying for the universe or for the world right now is the equivalent to let's say a thousand or 10,000 dark workers doing their their ritual and their practice, right? So it requires a lot less of us. That's also why we're spread all throughout the world. We've spent our entire life up until this point, usually in your mid twenties into your thirties is when you start meeting your people, okay? And connecting with other light workers up until then you feel isolated and alone and you think you're the only one on the planet that thinks and feels this way, right? And that's what people claim to be their dark night of the soul. They feel very disconnected from the people around them, see their, their world different, okay? And once you start finding your people, you then start amplifying the energy. Because I always say, when I pray with you, it's not times by two, it's times by a hundred. If I pray with three of us, it's times by a thousand, right? It literally amplifies in that way. So that's the only thing about the dark workers and the energies that be. They're more dedicated to their practice. Now, it's important to know when you think about densities because they say higher dimensional beings in perceived by humans are meant to be enlightened beings. So they're meant to be all light workers, but that's not the way it is, right? Duality and polarity exists in multiple densities, 3D and 4D, I would say, being two of them. And that means that there are, we came here with free will, okay? Meaning that I get to choose whether I choose to tap into the dark energy or the light energy. That doesn't deny the light energy within me. So let's say you've dedicated your entire life to bad shit, bad juju, right? That doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that you are denying and rejecting the light, okay? But the light still exists within you. It's just harbored far down below you because that too is an extension of self. A lot of people will disconnect. They'll talk about demonic energy or dark energy or bad people or reptilians as, you know, separate entities. Baby, that's your reflection. That's your mirror. I can guarantee that that is your brother, right? It, the difference is, is they're just denying and rejecting their own light, right? And embodying the darkness. We all have the darkness. We all have a shadow self. We all have the alter ego that exists within us. But for us, it tends to be a lot softer because it doesn't have the wheel. It doesn't control us, okay? I'm sure we've all, you know, lost control at times. And, you know, the alter ego has smashed some plates or some glasses. I know I've done that, right? Like we've all had our little moments where we go a little bit loopy and crazy, but we come back to self. And the powers that be are so devoted to their rituals and to their practice of dark energies. And I'll tell you why. It's because they too have been manipulated. They too have been brainwashed to believe. It's why cults exist, right? It's why, you know, there are suicide bombers. It's because they're convinced that there are rewards. So a lot of these people feel that if you sacrifice in this life, you will be rewarded in the next life. Your family will be rewarded with riches or blessings. That is sometimes true. It's sometimes true. But it's never going to come from a place of light. And I'll tell you why, because karma exists, right? So karma is a another whole conversation, but essentially I always tell people, I teach magic and I can't control what people do with that magic. I only teach it from a place of light, but I know there will be people that come across my work and sometimes, I had one girl email me one time. She goes, my ex, my husband um, is just to confess to me that he's in love with someone, right? Um, he wants to end our 20 year marriage. Is there anything, is there a spell you can give me to stop him being in love with that woman? And I was like, girl, we don't do that here. 
right? I understand your pain and I understand that you're not actually a bad person, that you just, you're hurt, right? And I know I can understand where this request has come from, but I can assure you, if you do this, the karma attached to it will affect your children and their children, okay? It literally lives on through the genetic coding, okay? Through your lineage, and karma is very hard to release. So if anyone who's listening to this has ever done any past life regression or future life regression, you may have a lot of karma from past lives. I've murdered someone in a past life and I've actually had an interaction with that person in this lifetime in which I needed to rectify that karma, right? It, it was a decade long karma exchange, okay? Which required a huge, you know, um, release from me because that was who I was in a past life. Don't assume that you've only ever been a light worker, right? That's not true at all. If I live in duality and polarity, I must simultaneously believe that there has been a part of me in which the dark energy has been dominant, okay? And that's why it's not so much compassion for dark workers, but I understand. I understand that they've been manipulated and coerced and moved into a space where they've been promised certain things. And if I'm being honest, a lot of the dark workers aren't the people that you think they are. You know, if we're going to get into clones and all of these other dark forces, there's a lot at play that is beyond us. And a lot of them are also threatened. Okay. And um, they have no choice. You look at a lot of the political leaders today that are making choices that are really not in alignment with them, definitely not in alignment with whoever they showed up to be at the beginning of, you know, their stint as political leaders. And you're just like, who even are you? And I have no doubt in my mind that they have been threatened, that their families have been threatened, that they've been told you have to do this. Okay, so we then go and blame Mr. Whoever, right? Because we're like, it's his fault. But the truth is, is who knows what, what threats were put up against him. And I have no doubt that here's the thing, a lot of the celebrities, when they're initiated, so they're initiated into these dark circles, promised fame and riches, okay? They're, you know, we heard about Epstein and everything that happened there. A lot of them are taken to places like that. They are drugged, they um, are intoxicated, and they're made to do things that they wouldn't normally do. Okay. And it's part of the rituals. Okay. A lot of them are humiliation rituals, are, um, homosexual rituals. Um, there's lots of different rituals that are involved, sacrificial rituals, and they're filmed. Okay. And then those, that evidence is used against them for the rest of their lives. They have no choice. And if they don't do as they're told, they get killed and murdered and their clones get used. And again, I know people are going to be listening to this and be like, all right, gee, you had me up until this point and now you lost me. But I've literally dedicated the last, like I started all of this work at 15 years old. I was so curious, right? So this isn't me just deciding today, oh yeah, I totally understand in the underground. I would much prefer there were a world in which this didn't exist, but we have to live in this world. And I recognize that it does. And so I would much rather be aware of it than not. I don't know. I read this thing yesterday that said, you can still focus on the positive timelines and, you know, the happy future but simultaneously prepare for the apocalypse because you much rather be um, a warrior in the garden than a gardener in war, right? And I was just like, damn, right? Because it's true. I can't deny the darkness if I claim to be a light worker. A light worker is simultaneously a shadow worker, right? I must acknowledge that this energy exists. You know, people do get hexes on them. Um, I've witnessed people that have needed exorcisms. Like I've witnessed these things that 
like literally entities are trapped in this body. And I feel that a lot of it is because when you start doing this spiritual work, you do it from a, a naive energy, okay? And you don't actually know what you're doing. So you start opening up portals to spiritual planes, especially through astral projection and those kinds of, you know, even psychedelic experiences and entities latch onto you because you're innocent, right? You don't know better, right? And so they latch onto you. So it does require a lot of mastery. I don't recommend anyone to astral project literally ever, not until you're at a place on your spiritual journey, which you know how to protect yourself in all planes of reality, okay? Because until you're there, don't go do it. Don't go do it because you will then have to spend the next decade cleansing all the entities that have attached themselves to you, right? There's, you know, a whole series of things that I could discuss about this. But when it comes to, to go back to the point, the dark forces are just more devoted. And that's why we're hearing it um, as much as we are right now. But the truth is, is the earth, so the self, the environment, the collective, um, your suburb, your city, your state, your country, the earth itself and the universe is always moving to a place of equilibrium. So we need not worry, okay? Because it will naturally reach its state of balance. So right now, the dark energy has been very powerful, okay? So it's calling the light workers to step the fuck up. That's why we all don't have a choice. We're just saying things that we wouldn't normally say and blurting it out, even though we're getting hate mail and we're getting people in our DMs hating on us, we have no choice. It's literally like it's forcing itself outside of us, okay? Because earth is naturally trying to recalibrate, okay? Now, here's the thing though. That doesn't mean that I am safe from danger, okay? I may die in the process of equilibrium, okay? It may cost us our lives, all right? And yet the universe is fine. The universe will always self-correct, all right? It's like a pilot. A pilot's flying, always self-correcting the course because it's always off course, okay? It's the same with the universe. I need not worry about, you know, a lot of people like, oh my God, we're all going to be stuck in the matrix. And, you know, it's just going to be, you know, the reptilians that are controlling the entire world and it's going to be dark energy and we're going to be lost. We may, but it will always self-correct. Something will happen. You know, the earthquake the other day in Melbourne, something will happen which will allow space for rectification. The, the problem is though, if we get too far away from source in which we are all indoctrinated, um, coerced, manipulated, brainwashed, it actually gets harder and harder to reconnect with source, okay? So that's why now is so critical and crucial because it's why we're being so loud because too many people are... Uh, literally floating further and further away. So it's harder and harder to pull them back in. And they will require a much larger, let's say natural disaster to um, rebirth the equilibrium, right? To rebirth that kind of balanced energy. So that's why we're being so loud. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Do you wanna go? I, I was just gonna say everything you just said then are the conversations that we've been having like all day, every day recently. It's so, you've just hit the nail on the head for everything. We were even talking this morning about celebrities and how they're being bribed. And, and, and just before you asked the question, like I was thinking yesterday, just watching all the footage of what's going on in Melbourne, I have, this sounds very controversial, but I've always felt quite sorry for Mr. Danny Andrews. Mm, me too. And it's, yeah. And it's almost like when I've said that to people, they're like, how can you feel sorry for him? He's doing this and he's doing that. And I'm like, look at the way that he talks look at his energy, look at his body, look at his statements. He is speaking from fear. Absolutely. He has, I wholeheartedly believe that he has people puppeteering him that 100%. are more 
I mean, I don't want to make any claims, but, you know, as you said, it could be bribery. It could be threats to family members and things like this. And just seeing the way that he's acting, he's literally on like his last leg here, trying everything he can to try and stay intact. So Mm -hmm. I do think, you know, not everyone will see it this way, but I do feel slightly sorry for him. And I think when we can bring compassion to that and, and honestly, just having if we zoom out and just have an awareness and understanding of the anti-divine occult forces that are, that are at play here, I think people will have a lot more understanding and they can surrender more into the knowing of it's not necessarily that person, but there are so many variables to do with that. Like his body could have been taken over, you know, he's being puppeteered, Absolutely. like threats, like the people that we see in power, the people that we see in the limelight, they have got there because they are, you know, it's that exchange. Selling a part of their soul. Yeah. We'll give you fame. We'll give you money. If you say this and say this and and lead this generation into thinking this and brainwashing them in this way for our benefit. Um, So I do think we have to have a sense of compassion for people that are in the limelight. Um, Yeah. 100%. Mm, 100%. And even like Nicki Minaj coming out and speaking up. Yeah. Like that's, that that takes so much freaking courage. Mm -hmm. If you're Mm -hmm. in with that group of people, we were talking about all the celebrities that have been popped off, right? And there's a couple that that haven't been. We were talking about um, Justin Bieber. I remember, I think it was like four or five years ago when he actually said that he was going to quit music and he turned to church for a whole year because he was being uh, encouraged to partake in, in pedophilia, well, pedophilia. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I, I, I believe it's for that reason that you said, which is so that those people the powers that be have content to bribe him to do things to brainwash the generation um and and he said no he said i'm not going to be a part of this and then that's when he turned to church because he realized and he outed basically the music industry for Mm -hmm. for what they do and it's like there's these celebrities that keep coming out saying things and and it's um i can't remember where i was going with that no we were just talking about celebrities and the the dark forces and the bribery yeah and I Here's think the thing because- about, sorry, about someone like someone like Justin Bieber. So I've done a lot of research on Justin Bieber. So he too was a victim. So him growing up, he was a victim. I think he was definitely molested. And I think that he was sexually abused growing up. Okay. So a lot of, he does it in a diluted way. So the first thing they'll do is they'll make you seem crazy. All right. So a lot of people that speak up, they make you seem like Jim Carrey, like that, that you're the Looney Tune, right? Like even Pete Evans, not so much a celebrity, but celebrity, like you're crazy, you're a Looney Tune. So that's the first um, method, right? They'll make you step seem one. crazy. Step one. <laughs> step one. Them, what's it called? You're another. Smear, smear campaign. Yes. Smear campaign. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So like that's step one. If that isn't successful, it's still diluted. So he may be speaking out, but he's still using symbology in his concerts and in his music videos. So he's still, cause they sign contracts. They love young celebrities because especially Disney, Disney is like the perfect example of this. Now, if we, if, if the three of us end up dead, everyone, it was murder. It was not anything <laughs> other than murder, right? Yeah. Right? Like seriously. But my point is, is that they love the young people because the young people get excited. Oh, you're going to get all of this fame and you're going to be famous and whatever. And so they sign contracts and they don't know what contracts they're signing. And we're not even going to get into contracts because even our birth certificate is a contract. We don't even own our own life. Yeah. Right. And there's well, a number of reasons for that. But some, you, of, us, look at someone like, some of us don't. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. We're, 
we're on we're, we're on the path to yeah i know a few friends who have released um their birth certificates and all of those things so there are methods to do that but i also think that there are also energetic cut ties that you can do you don't even need to officially do it right you can break contracts quite easily but again that's a conversation for another day but you know the justin bieber energy right so i think that he's still speaking out but in a way that isn't necessarily exposing them like he's never come out specifically and said this is what happened to me and this is what's happening on the thing he's always trying to do it through symbology so it's overlooked enough right you're made to be like oh yeah he's trying to say that but is he really and it, there's enough ambiguity to not necessarily paint pictures it's like the Freemasons, we call it a secret society, and yet we know a lot about them. They don't try to hide themselves, even the Illuminati, they literally live in plain sight. But people, because people just assume that it's entertainment, they overlook it. The dark societies and forces, those who practice dark occult, essentially use symbology symbology and ritual to amplify the energy I, I do a lot of reality transurfing and that's basically they use pendulums so they try to create momentum okay and so that's where concerts you'll notice in a lot of celebrity concerts where they do certain finger things and and certain they wear certain clothing because what it is the reason why they do this is because the collective solidifies timeline. So if the collective is focused on something, it becomes real. The truth is fluid. Okay. And so they have all of these rituals and practice where they have these literally super fans, like doting over them, doing whatever those celebrities doing, and you're giving it life force. So that celebrity literally feeds off your life force. But the celebrity isn't the celebrity. The celebrity is a dark entity, right? It's dark energy. And so you, by being at these concerts and like literally looking up and worshiping them, think of them on a stage, worshiping them, singing their songs, which is mantras that you're casting spells with your words that all have subliminals in them. Like don't even get me started on subliminals, right? You are literally giving life force energy, your life force energy to them. Okay. And that's what gives it life force. So think of everything happening in the world today. The only reason it's still what it is 18 months later is because the mainstream media has done a damn good job in keeping you focused upon the narrative every single day. You cannot open the TV without hearing about it. You cannot. Like every single, it's literally like we're in Groundhog's Day. Every day I tell my dad, like my dad's the only one in the family that watches the news. And I'm like, why are you watching you could have literally watched this same thing 18 months ago, would have told you the same thing. Like nothing is different, okay? Maybe a few little details here and there, but nothing is different. You are giving it your life force. A lot of people have said to me, yeah, but you need to be aware. But do you though? But do you though, right? If actually, if we weren't aware of all of this, we wouldn't be feeding it our attention and energy and therefore it would completely disintegrate. It's one of the ways a pendulum, a pendulum only dies essentially if we completely ignore it. Okay. And right now, too much of the collective are focused upon it. So we feed it energy. The other thing that's important, it doesn't actually matter if you're for or against. So even those of us who are fighting against it, we're still giving it a life force. We're still giving it energy. So that's why celebrities also love controversy. Like look at the Kardashians. They're the perfect in creating controversy because even if you are thinking that they're bad people or doing something bad, you give them life force, you give them energy, you give them power. Okay. So I say know. any media is good media, right? period <laughs> yeah so it's funny with it like everything you just said is so true and that's why i think a couple of weeks ago i was saying that fighting against it still keeping it alive you need to mm -hmm. just go and create create something new you know create mm -hmm. create what you want and i do think awareness is important to a degree like 
to, 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 to bury your head in the sand, I would say is ignorance. So I think a little bit of awareness is like good, but when it consumes you and you feed it that energy, it's going to like cause it to keep growing. Right. But what, so what you're saying is this, and this is what I always say, it's awareness without an emotional charge. That's what's required. I can look at the news and I can observe what's going on. I don't have to ignore it, but have no emotional charge in my body. I shouldn't let it cause fear in my body or worry or concern or anger. Okay. The moment an emotional charge is created in my body, I give it energy. If I can look at it and be neutral about it and be like, I don't give a fuck, right. Then I'm not giving it any of my life force. That's the difference. And I think that if all of us, as you said, like, I don't want you to bury your head in the sand, but I also don't want you to be angry about everything going on. Like what you said about Dan Andrews, I too feel so sorry for him. I think that no one no one who's acting from a place of love behaves the way he's behaved over the last 18 months. I don't think it's normal behavior. I don't think that that's who he was when he went into this role. I really don't. Okay. I don't even think that he agrees with 90% of what he's saying. He may now because he's convinced himself it's real. Okay. But I really don't think he does, you know, even the way he's behaving actually mirroring a dictator. Okay. It just doesn't make sense to me. So as you said, there's probably so many other things at play. Um, so it, it offers me to be like, I'm the neutral bystander. I don't hate on him. I also don't support him. I will give him none of my energy. Okay. I'm not afraid of you. I don't know if you saw that clip the other day from one of the protests where the cop was with the gun and said, move, move to that guy. And he just stood there. Right. That's what we need. We need more of that energy. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of you. They walk, what are you going to do to me? Shoot me, shoot me in the head. Like it's literally being filmed. Well, what are you going to do to me? Right. So it's more of that neutral energy, not giving our emotional charges because it's the emotions that create the vibrations right in the body. And then that's what we're giving the energy. It's the same reason when we talked about the concept, it's your love and admiration. It's the emotional charge that offers the energy. If you were just standing there listening to the music, not moving and not caring about it, you're not offering any energy, right? Like, yeah, you're focused upon it, but you're not giving much of your energy. Okay. Beyond just your eyes. Okay. But it's the emotional charge that really amplifies. Mm. Should we wrap up part one and then dive in? What time is it? We've been going for an hour and 15. An hour and 15? Oh my so, God. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's wrap up part one. What do you want to talk about specifically in part two? I, I, I've got things around more of this, like what's happening yeah. now and, and the, 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 the dark energies and entities. I definitely want to dive into that. And I think, I think also like helping people navigate this based off of what you just said, because I'm finding that so many people, and, and I think probably a lot of people listening are struggling with the uncertainty and struggling, feeling very alone because their family, their, uh, their peers, their workmates are all in opposition to how they feel. So they're feeling a lot of pressure. Mm. They're feeling on edge. Like they know what we know, they feel what we feel, but they're kind of, they feel very stuck. So I'd love to kind of dive deeper into that and also mm. into otherworldly beings and how that mm. might be disclosed in mm. the coming years. That's something that I'm really mm. excited about. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, and also quantum reality. Um, I know you're very much in the quantum. So kind of explaining, you know, what the quantum is and also how to work with quantum, well, how to work in the quantum reality in order to um, maybe even alleviate human suffering and to improve, improve your life. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So that's what we'll do in the second one. I just want to end this first part with a question from our community because we're on the topic. She says, um, do you think Reiki is dark? I think I know what you're going to say, but what are your thoughts on Reiki? Mm. So again, intention, it doesn't like 
all practice, whether it be spell work, whether it be Reiki, whether it be uh, meditation, whatever it is, has the ability to embody either dark or light energy, okay? The intention is what matters. I always say magic itself is neutral, doesn't care. I, I practice magic, I'm a witch, right? But I'm devoted to the light. And because I'm devoted to the light, all my practices and rituals are intended to be of the light. Reiki is the same as that, right? Um, I recognize though, a lot of people use spiritual practice as though it's a commodity and then it becomes distorted okay when it's not used in its purest form it becomes mm. distorted there are a lot of people in the spiritual community who claim to be spiritual but are literally spiritually bypassing and you know embody spiritual materialism where they try to latch onto things because somehow that's going to make me more connected and more spiritual i would include all energy work because reiki is just energy work essentially right i don't think it's dark at all but it can definitely be used for dark you're literally moving energy from the ethos into your body, into your hands and moving it through you into someone else as well, okay? So I can choose whether that energy that I connect to is of light or is, isn't. Here's the thing where it gets distorted. You may not be aware that you're holding onto dark energy. And if you're not aware you're holding onto dark energy, you're channeling from dark forces. That's why a lot of people who claim, like, you know, Doreen Virtue, that used to be connected to the spiritual community, she birthed Oracle, essentially, right? Like she was, you know, she birthed all this and now she's all holier than thou Christian and condemns everything spiritual. There's another person that I follow online. Um, I'm not going to mention her name, who literally overnight, she used to teach all of this quantum stuff. And then like now it's demonic and, and whatever. And I'm like, honey, it's not demonic. It's just that you've now probably latched onto dark energies and that's what you're feeling and receiving. A lot of people talk about Kundalini as, you know, demonic energy. Actually, it's all, they're all just modalities and tools to help us interpret the, what anything is in this world is based on who we are. If we are of light, then whatever we practice is of light. That's why self-awareness and self-reflection is important, okay? So you can use Reiki for good or you can use Reiki for bad. You can use spells for good or spells for bad. You can, you know, use meditation for good or meditation for bad, right? There Again, the universe doesn't stop you in how you wish to use it, but a lot of people think they're using light energy and it could also be your teachers. Who did you learn from? They're, you know, subliminals, sigils. There's another thing going on lately is you're, we're watching Insta stories all the time, all day, every day, right? And a lot of people are actually putting spells and sigils behind the screen, all right? So in the background, then doing their video in front and you're watching and giving an energy and you're giving it life force. So you're not even aware that you're feeding dark energies and creating a portal between you and that, okay? Another thing could be a lot of people who practice psychedelics, they go in without having done the shadow work first, and they open portals to dark energy. So they then they they then go on this spiritual journey, learn of the all, all of these beautiful spiritual tools, think they're working with the light, but actually they're calling in more dark energy because they haven't moved through the energy, or they've called in some kind of demonic energy or entity that's lodged onto them. So you know, self awareness, self reflection, work with healers. Okay, but again, be mindful as to who you want to work with. Okay, because I've worked with people. Um, when I say work with people, they're people who approach me that something just rubs me up the wrong way, and I'm just like, you seem like light and love online, but I know you're not. I can just feel it in my bones. You really need to trust that gut feeling. And we aren't exempt from that. If you connect with me and you're just like, I don't vibe with G, then don't vibe with me. All right. Go on your merry way. It's important that you trust your intuition. And it may not necessarily make me or anybody else a bad person. It just may be that right now, our vibrations, our frequencies aren't in harmony. Okay. And you need to go on a different path. It's important to honor. Because again, even people who practice dark magic, 
I don't think that they're bad people. I just think that they're focused right now more on the frequency of darkness or I'm perceiving the darkness within me. You know, there are so many other things at play. I'm a reflector, my human design. So I literally mirror energy. So whatever anyone is, I can feel it straight away in my body, like instantly. That's why some people I just don't fuck with and everyone else would be like, I really like that person. I'd be like, I don't, right? Like I just don't fuck with them. It doesn't make them a bad person. It just means I can feel the energy they're embodying in that moment. And I'm my entire body is rejecting it, okay? So I don't think it's bad. I think that how you use it is up to you. And that includes anything. It's like you can cook and put poison in your meal or you can cook and put love, right? Like it's, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. And what a great way to wrap up the first episode. So For those of you that are joining us for part two, um, that will be on our Patreon membership. And I'm super, super excited to go even deeper. So really, really excited about that. Um, I think that's, is that all? That is all. (laughs) We will see you in part two. Thank you.